Well, I am so happy to be with you today. I have to admit that I'm a little bit nervous. Um, as Zach mentioned, I have cerebral palsy, and that could make speaking a little bit difficult for me. And when I'm nervous, it makes speaking even more difficult. But here's the good news about, about doing a video is if I say something and you won't catch it, just rewind it and try again. I can't promise I'll do any better, but maybe you'll do better. Um, so I want to open today by asking a question. And here it is. Who do you look at to make yourself feel better? Or, or I'll say it this way. Who do you judge? Who do you look at and say, those people just don't get it? So I'm a big fan of musicals. And a few years ago, I heard a rumor about this musical called Hamilton. And I was very excited because I'm a big fan of the musical In the Heights. Um, if you don't know, the musical In the Heights was Lin-Manuel Miranda's first musical he wrote. He didn't come out of the gate with Hamilton. So and then Hamilton came out and the whole world went crazy. People who knew nothing about musicals, they were saying it's the best musical ever. And I know that should make me happy, right? I mean, musicals were in now. And it was a good thing for all musicals. But there were part of me that got a little bit judgmental towards Hamilton fans. People were saying things like, wow, I can't believe they're using music to tell, to tell a story. And I'm like, yeah, they've been doing it for a hundred years. Like, you know, people, people who love Hamilton, you know, they're not, they're not real musical fans like me. So I, I better stop talking about Hamilton because Zach may, may never let me preach or something again. But what about you? What about you? Who do you look at to feel superior? Today, we're beginning a, a series on peacemaking. How do we live in peace with others? And as we dive into this series, we're going to look at a verse in Romans written by Paul. And the verse is Romans 12, 18, and it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on, on you, live at peace 
with everyone. If it is possible, live at peace with everyone. We might look at that and say, well, that's a great idea, Paul, but you, you never had Facebook. And can you, can you imagine if Paul had Facebook? Like, I would hate to get in a comment war with him. But, but really, we live in such a divided time. It seems like we're all waiting for someone else to mess up so we can say, got ya. And, you know, it's only going to get crazier in the next couple of months as the election season gets into full swing. But in the middle of all this mess and all this division, we are, we are called to be peacemakers. But how do we do that? Well, over the past couple of years, we've seen a new term enter our vocabulary. And that, that term is cancel culture. Now, there are a lot of opinions about cancel culture. And if you know what cancel culture is, you probably have an opinion about it. But if you don't know what it is, let me take a minute to just uh, uh, tell you wh what it is. Can cancel culture is when we boycott a person because of his or her problematic behavior. So basically, somebody might say something or post something on social media and they get called out on it. They get canceled. And it normally happens to, celeb to celebrities or people with a big following. But really, anybody can be canceled. Or at least we can try. We, we can try to cancel anybody. Now, as I said, there are a lot of opinions about cancel culture. And if you want to go down a rabbit hole, just Google that term and you'll find so many different opinions about it. Um, some people don't even believe it's a real thing. Back in 2016, the internet tried to cancel Taylor Swift, but the last time I checked, she's still around. You know, I think cancel culture comes out of a good place, and not, and not just a good place, but a holy place. Think about it. God hates injustice. But there's one problem. In our, 
in our effort to seek justice, have we overlooked a process of redemption? We are quick to cast people out when they mess up, but we're not sure how to welcome them back in the community. Last year, the comedian Sarah Silverman made a statement about cancel culture that stuck with me. Um, back in 2007, Sarah Silverman appeared in blackface in a comedy sketch. And, 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 and a few years later, she apologized for it. She said that it was a misguided attempt to mock racists. Now, let me just say, like, yes, blackface is a very misguided attempt. But she knew it was wrong, and she admitted she made a mistake. Well, last year, these pictures of, of Sarah Silverman and blackface, they came, they came back. They came back on the internet, and and even though she had apologized uh, several years ago, she lost a movie deal because of it. And that's when she said this. She she said, "If you say the wrong thing, if you had a tweet once, everyone is like." throwing the first stone. Everyone is throwing the first stone. Isn't, isn't that interesting that, that, that she uses that language? You know what? You know what I think? I think we're all racing to throw that first stone because if we don't, we might get pelted. I think we're, we're all terrified of making a mistake. I mean, I know I am. The more I researched cancel culture, the more I thought, the more I thought, do I really want to give a sermon about this topic? I mean, I, I might get canceled. So, is, is cancel culture a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think it's an incomplete thing. See, as a culture, we've gotten very good at seeking justice. But if justice is all we seek, then we will all end up being can vote. At, at some point, we all stand guilty. We need a way back home. And the way back home is through a process of forgiveness. You know, 
cancel culture is a new phrase, but it's not a new idea. Humans have always tried to cancel each other. At the beginning of this video, Zach read a passage from Luke 23. It's the story of two criminals who hung on the cross next to Jesus. These criminals were being canceled by society. Being, being crucified wasn't just about a death sentence. Being crucified was a way to completely humiliate people. Now look, I don't want to compare being crucified to social media, but let's be honest, we love to humiliate each other, don't we? We love to post stories and say, oh, look what that person did again. We, lo we love to watch people we disagree with crash and burn. We, we love to be the judge and the jury. But what happens when we are the guilty ones? See, there was nothing these criminals could do to make it right. Not now. They were beyond redemption. Is there any person or group of people that you think are beyond redemption? Do you ever consider yourself beyond redemption? You just messed up too bad, and there's no way back home? Well, I want to say that with Jesus, there's always a way back home. So imagine the scene. You have two criminals hanging on crosses. You have Jesus in the middle. The crowd is mocking him. But one criminal says to Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and, uh, and us. This first criminal wants to be uncanceled, but he really doesn't want to engage in any process of forgiveness. Do you see how he tries to put the blame on someone else instead of taking ownership of his own sin? In, in the final moment of his life, he will rather mock Jesus than take responsibility for his own actions. But then you have the other criminal, and this guy takes a completely different approach. Look at what he says. 
we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There is so much packed into these two verses. In the final moments of his life, this criminal engaged in the process of forgiveness. It wasn't too late for him, and it's not too late for any of us. But we have to learn how to go beyond cancel culture and engage in forgiveness culture. Now, let me say something about forgiveness. Maybe you hear that word forgiveness and you roll your eyes. Maybe you've seen too many people get away with doing terrible things all in the name of forgiveness. Well, I get that. I mean, when we, when we say we're sorry to people, what, what do we normally get in response? People say, oh, okay, uh, it's no big deal. But real, but real forgiveness, real biblical forgiveness isn't about minimizing or pain. Real forgiveness is painful. But real forgiveness is the only path to peace. So this criminal, he recognized four things as he engaged in the process of forgiveness. And, uh, and, and I know most, most sermons have three points, not four. But I'm, but I'm new to this all, so I'm going to give you four. And hopefully uh, Jim Keller won't be too upset with me. Um, and I think remembering these four things will help us when we need forgiveness from God and others. And it will help us forgive, forgive others who need it. So the first thing this criminal recognized, he recognized wrongdoing. He, he says, we are punished justly. So this criminal, he acknowledged that he did something wrong. If we are seeking forgiveness, it seems obvious that the first step 
is to admit we did something wrong. But, rem but remember, the other criminal, he refused to do this. He didn't call out to Jesus in humility. Remember, he tried to cancel Jesus even as he was being canceled. And you know, as a culture, we're not that great at admitting when we get wrong. We get, we get so defensive. And we see this so much in politics today. We don't, we don't want to admit that our side sometimes gets it wrong. Why? Because we're worried that if we admit one mistake, we might give the other side an, an, an advantage. And even in our individual lives, it could be hard to admit when we get it wrong. I could be so prideful. I could be so defensive. But if we ever want to make peace with each other, especially as we dive into conversations about race and unity, we have to admit when we get it wrong. But that's only the first step. Second thing he did. This criminal, he experienced sorrow, sorrow over his sin. He says, we are getting what our deeds deserve. So we have to admit we get wrong, but that's only the beginning. If I ever want to engage in a process of forgiveness, I have to go beyond just seeing my sin and have sorrow over it. So let's say I go out for lunch with my good friend, OJ over at the Lake Mary campus. And let's say we go get some chick some Chick-fil-A. And let's say I steal a chicken nugget when he's looking the other way. Now if if, if I get caught, I could agree that I did something wrong. But if I don't have any sorrow about it, then I'm not, then I'm not seeking forgiveness. And me and OJ's relationship will suffer, and he won't ever trust me again. So let me take a minute and just say that OJ, I'm really sorry about the chicken nugget. This, this criminal on the cross, he felt, he felt sorry 
for his actions. Now, how do you know if you really feel sorrow? Well, I'll give you a test. And this test is based on my own experience. If I ever say the word but in my apology, I'm probably not really sorry. You know, well, I'm sorry you feel hurt, but I was only kidding. Or, well, I'm sorry I did that, but you made me really upset. If, 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 I'm, if I'm putting the blame on somebody else in my apology, then I'm not, I'm not really seeking forgiveness. Now, let me say one more thing about, about sorrow. Sorrow isn't the same as shame. Experiencing sorrow doesn't mean we have beat ourselves up over the same mistake over and over again. Jesus came to set us free from our guilt. But it's only when we, when we experience that sorrow can we be set free. And, that, and that's why step three is so important. Step three, recognize, recognize that Jesus paid the cost for our sins. This criminal looks at Jesus and, say, and says, this man has done nothing wrong. He realizes that Jesus is an innocent man being punished for his sins. And, you know, I think that this step is where our culture gets it wrong. But I think... If we as Jesus followers get it right, we can change the whole world. And I really believe that. I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic. See, we're, 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 we're at a point where our culture recognizes that there is a price to pay for wrongdoing. But we haven't figured out how to pay that cost. So we were, so we run around and we throw stones at each other. And you know, and you know, making peace with others isn't easy. Casting stones at people we see as an enemy can feel really good. And you know, this week, as I was thinking about this message, I couldn't believe how many times I looked down and saw a stone 
in, in my hand. And I have to ask myself, would I rather be right than make peace with people who I think are, are wrong? What about you? Would you rather be right than make peace with someone who thinks about politics different than you? Would you rather be right than make peace with someone who you know will vote differently in November than you? And what if we don't want to make peace with other people? What, what if we're okay just doing our own thing and not making peace? Well, first I would say it's okay to admit that that's where you are. We could be honest with God about where we, where we are. And second, I would encourage us all to spend time thinking about our own sin. Think about the cost Jesus paid for your sin. Because, look, if, if I cancel you, you can dig up my old Facebook from five years ago and, and find something dumb I said. And then you could cancel me. And then I could dig up more stuff about you from 10 years ago. You know, Facebook is great at, at digging up our, 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 our old sins. And at, and at some point, it gets to be exhausting. But Jesus came to break that cycle. He paid for everybody's sin. So how can I ever try to cancel you when I know I deserve to be canceled too? And then, and then we have the last step, number four, or three B, if you want to look at it like that. The, the desire to move forward following G Jesus. This criminal, he looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I, I, I find this part of his story so fascinating. This, this criminal was about to die. By the world's standard, it was too late for him to do anything meaningful. But it wasn't too late to follow, follow Jesus. 
he, he took a step toward Jesus, and Jesus honored it. If you messed up so bad, and you think you're beyond hope, I want you to remember that Jesus loves to redeem things. When you ask for forgiveness, Jesus will forgive you. And look, if your life is in shambles and you have no idea what to do next, just do what this criminal did. Ask Jesus to remember you. And he will remember you. He will show you what's next. He, he loves you. And if you, if you don't remember anything else, just remember how much Jesus loves you, even in your mess. So let's go back to our opening question. Who do you judge? Who do you love to see fail? Who do you want to see get canceled? If, if you are a Jesus follower, then you're called to be a peacemaker. We, as the church, need to step up and lead this charge. We need to model forgiveness to the world. So, when we do something wrong, let's own up to it. Let's be quick to admit our sin and express sorrow over it. And when we see other people mess up, let's not be happy about it. Let's not pile on the shame. Let's remember that we all deserve to be canceled. It's only because Jesus paid, our, paid the price for our sin that we have any hope at all. So let, let's move towards people we disagree with in peace and love. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you so much. You came into this world to, to forgive us of our sin. You, you came into our mess to pay the cost, and you paid a very high cost. Help us to, rem to remember how much we need you. Help us to remember how broken we are. Help us to be people who seek forgiveness from others and people who are quick to forgive. And show us how to live like you so that when the world sees us, 
Deus, sim, eu. Amém.